Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking Tolkien, the weekly podcast of friends going through the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. But you probably already know that if we're if you're at if you've been following us to this point, where we are at the very tail end of Return of the King. Well, at least it's starting to feel like the very tail end. Uh, we're gonna start off with this week in Middle Earth. Uh, with with Katie, of course, doing this week in Middle Earth, and her Elvish word of the day, and then we're gonna hop over to me, where I'm going to ex- explain what happened last week. If I can, for life of me, remember what happened last week. Oh, I remember. I remember. We're good. We're good. I remember. So we're gonna go over to me, but right now we're going to go over to Katie. And Katie, it is August. No, it is September first. First. Oh my god, it's September 1st. Oh wow, September 1st, 2016. What happened in Middle-earth in 2016? No, in September 1st or around September But 1st. also, what's your name? My name and is I'm Chase. And I'm Katie. <laughs> uh, yeah, John couldn't join us this week, so uh, that's why this beginning part is all wrong. <laughs> A train wreck like me, so there we go. Uh, All right, but anyway, today in Middle-earth on September 1st, uh, just a few days ago on August 28th in the year 2941, so once again going back to The Hobbit, uh, Bilbo was searching for the dwarves uh, in in Mirkwood, in the dungeons in Mirkwood. Remember, they had been captured by uh, Thranduil. And... Today, on September 1st, once again in the year 2941, Bilbo has found all of the dwarves in each of their Mirkwood cells. And you remember, they were all in different... They were all separated. Uh, yeah, they were all yeah. over the place. And in particular, he needed to find uh, Thorin. But at any rate, uh, yeah, that's what was going on today in Middle-earth. And as far as the Elvish word of the day... Today I chose the Sindarin word. It's an adjective. Uh, the word is kalon. Yes. Kalon. Meaning dauntless, steadfast, or strong. I don't know why, but I feel like I should name a cat kalon. That'd be a good cat name. Good cat name. Uh, but it would be like a heavy metal cat. Like a cat <laughs> that looks like they've seen some stuff. Anything with a Lord of the Rings. Any cat with a Lord of the Rings name would have to be a, a heavy metal cat. Yeah, like a like a like just this this like dead eyed staring cat that has just seen everything, and it's named Dauntless, basically. <laughs> However, Dauntless would also be a good name, or Daedalus. But anyway. that's beside the point, Chase. Yeah, what that happened? that's well. what happened last week. So, our hobbits, Frodo and Sam, are tr- basically marching deep into Mordor and it was mostly marching and mostly trying to stay out of the uh, basically stay away from all the orcs and make their way towards Mount Doom but it's also kind of an overview of how what Mordor is like what everyday in Mordor is like Uh, particularly we saw some plant life we also saw some uh, water and which strangely if you listen to last week's episode, I was I was pretty enamored by the fact there was water in Mordor. But it was mostly marching. It was mostly description of the land. There was a few interactions with some orcs that... And then also some 
sightings of a creature that we've seen before called the Chupacabras. No, called Gollum. We think. Mm-hmm. We think called Gollum. It looked a lot like, it sounded a little bit like Gollum. Uh, and then Frodo and Sam inadvertently got caught up and mistaken for orcs who were marching towards the Black Gates because that whole thing was happening. Yeah. Uh, and But they managed to get away from that. And that's where we leave them now in chapter three of book six. Right. So here we are once again with chapter three of book two of The Return of the King or book six of The Lord of the Rings. Once again, this chapter is entitled Mount Doom. Mount so Doom. Uh, we basically pick up right where we left our hobbit friends. Uh, Frodo at the end of last chapter had kind of fallen uh, tumbled out of this marching line of orcs and uh, lay there like a dead thing. Yes. And yeah, we pick right up with them and luckily they hadn't been noticed uh, when when they fell out of this line of orcs and Sam manages to kind of cover them up with the Lorian cloak, which gives them a bit of cover and uh, yeah, they don't get noticed. Lucky for them. Uh- I have to I have to just note before we get too deep into this chapter, this was a harrowing chapter. Yes. I it, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time reading this. Yeah, yeah, you should feel that way. And then I I really there's there's a great contrast that we get with that because so as you say like this chapter is harrowing and it is and you're on the edge of your seat and then uh, there's a character that gives us a great contrast to that, and there's a moment that gives us a great contrast to that. But that's that's uh, saving that for the end of of our chapter here. Yeah. Um, the point is, is we start off with Sam's perspective as mm-hmm. they're in hiding, kind yeah. of looking about and trying to get his wits about him. Right. And he has some interesting thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Sam, this whole time, remember uh, several chapters ago, had uh, made a, a mention about the food and about how the uh, Lembus cakes that they had been given in Lorien were running very low and they didn't have any of the provisions that Faramir had given them left and said, oh, Mr. Frodo, what are we going to do when we run out of food? It doesn't seem like there's going to be enough food for the journey home. And Frodo's response, of course, had been, I don't think there's going to be a journey home, Sam. Yes. Uh, and Sam, on the other hand, had always been optimistic that uh, they were going to go to Mordor, they were going to destroy the ring, and then they were going to turn around and come home. Hop, 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 and then just pull off a ring, drop it in, whatever, <laughs> back home. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's exactly what they do the end by. Uh, but no, actually. <laughs> uh, so Sam, yeah, Sam wakes up after having slept rather restlessly and is looking around and he sees still how far away their destination looks and you know thinks how slow and weak Frodo is right now Frodo can barely trudge along as it is and really for the first time Sam does not think that they are getting out of here alive Um, he, he, he kind of thinks okay so we're here we're going to destroy the ring as we set out to do but uh then we're going to die here (laughs) there could be no return it says uh, there had always been that gigantic question mark on the horizon that had always just been assumed up until now when now you have to suddenly 
stare that in the face. I, I couldn't help but like Tolkien is very good at metaphors and I can't help but in this is a gigantic metaphor for life in that when times are hard, it's very hard to see past the events in front of you. And also when you know something bad is on the horizon, it's very easy to underestimate that. Right. And, and our... Mordor is a gigantic underestimation on their part. Right. And our hobbits are at like the the epitome of the bad on the horizon. They are at the very brink of what one would call existence and the <laughs> fact that they have no food. Well, they have some food. They have almost no water. Right. So Sam has this moment where basically hope dies. Yeah. Uh, but then what replaces it, though? There's this something. There was a line about how like his hope had died, but his strength hadn't. And he basically mm-hmm. resolves himself um, and says, well, this is uh, the situation. This is what's going to happen. And he kind of looks over and Frodo is lying there awake but just flat on his back unmoving and sam manages to rouse him and they they set off through this you know cold and and barren land and uh there's kind of craters all around it and little places to hide you can go from 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 crater to crater and hide but uh, of course that being if you were a sprightly fellow which our friend Frodo is not right now. <laughs> no. And all, I, I, when it was describing the land that they're going to be having to go through, I couldn't help but think that this was another connection back to um, Tolkien's life experience within World War I. Uh, I mean, we've, we've referenced trench warfare before with the previous battle, but I can't help but feel like the, the part where they are going from crater to crater, trying to stay out of the eye of a watchful uh, overseer, Mm-hmm. seemed very much like the no man's land part of that trench warfare, that area where there's not really anybody fighting, but no matter what, you're going to be seen and mowed down. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but not think I could, I couldn't help but think that while yeah. I was reading this part uh, yeah. that once again, he was drinking, bringing his life experiences into this. Yeah. Which um, adds some weight to it to me. <laughs> <Anyways>. <laughs> right. Uh, but then I, I also like, so, uh, just after this, um, again, there there's really no enemy around that they can see. And that's, of course, as we know, because all of the forces have been sent to the gate. Um, and there's uh, this passage that I really, really like. And it's, Neither man nor orc now moved along its flat gray stretches, for the Dark Lord had almost completed the movement of his forces, and even in the vastness of his own realm he sought the secrecy of night, fearing the winds of the world that had turned against him, tearing aside his veils, and troubled with tidings of bold spies that had passed through his fences. So, again, um, there, you know, we, we get... Uh, this seed of doubt that's been set and uh, you know as we know um, this is the exact this was the exact goal of the captains of the west to draw out the forces draw the eye away from Frodo so it appears at least now that it's worked and again that the dark lord is fearful 
it, I, it, it almost feels, and I, I loved, I love, 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 love to use this word, but I feel like it's really appropriate right now of apocalyptic uh, yes. things feel, because not only is it that, because when the captains were marching towards the Black Gates and we were having that whole chapter in the discussion, it felt like we were seeing the full might of Sauron in mm-hmm. the sense of like, oh, he is very sure of himself, whereas on this front, even with two hobbits wandering through Mordor, they're even, I feel like they are even able to notice that something's off about everything mm-hmm. and that the eye, the eye of Sauron is confused. It's very much not paying attention to them. Can't, mm-hmm. it can't really see them. In fact, later on it notes specifically that it is definitely not looking at not, them. It yeah, is, is, is at straight them. up is at the black gate. Like it should well, be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, apocalyptic. I like I, I like that word for this chapter. And oh, dear reader, you shall see as we continue. <laughs> um, this is one of those chapters I hope everybody was reading. When yeah. They, or listen to this episode. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a solid chapter. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they, at any rate, they, they crawl out from their hiding spot and continue continue on and again as has been the theme Frodo is weary and exhausted and barely trudging along and you know he's completely occupied by the weight of the ring and um, they go by they continue they hear every now and then they'll hear uh, footsteps and and marching but it's far away and again as they usually do they um they go by day and they rest and hide by night um but they they have this constant uh awareness of evil just sort of ambiguous evil but of course it's the evil and uh like they can they can they can feel the the power uh and it's i like i like the words that are used like looming blacker the power looming blacker and as they as they come nearer and nearer to uh to mount doom proper and then yeah like uh other words like an the oncoming of a wall of night at the last end of the world. So again, yeah, these are pretty apocalyptic yeah. uh, phrases and words. It's yeah, it's it, it, it should it should make you feel like like the end is is nigh. And it's what's great about Tolkien, and we I feel like the same emotions that we're feeling in this chapter we felt when the captains were marching towards the Black Gate, yeah. but it was it was different, like. I didn't think I could make this this book could get more apocalyptic, but it did. Like it, it, like everything feels way more strained, and I mean, especially it helps the fact that we have two characters who are marching, who are basically uh, marching is a, a terrible word actually, barely holding it together, uh, yeah. trudging through this environment, and are thirsty. Right after that. Sam is basically muttering to himself that he just he's demanding water, but he can't get it. Um, and I, I, I think the difference between these because uh, so you know that we like you said it had that same kind of feel in these in the the uh, previous yeah. 
the, like on on the other side on the view on the other side but i think uh with the captains it's like more a tumultuous kind of yeah apocalypse and in in here right now it feels like they're in the eye of the storm well and also everybody has kind of what's interesting about this too is the the word you used at the beginning of the cha- the beginning of this episode what was that word again uh my my elvish word of the day yeah, was it Claynor? I can't remember. Oh, no. Claynor? Uh, no. I already forgot it. Hold on. Uh, but it was Ka- close to... <laughs> Calon. Calon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dauntless. And I, those two chapters in particular are like these like different views of what courage is. And yeah. I, 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 I've always kind of held that courage is this understanding that the possibility of death is ahead of you and that probably no matter what you're going to die Mm -hmm. but you still do the right thing you still try to do the moral thing and with aragorn aragorn and gandalf and all of them were doing that knowing that they were going to die and sam and frodo are in the exact same situation right here frodo is a little out of it because he's got this mental battle but sam is definitely not only a courageous character but i think I think this chapter has solidified him as probably the most courageous character in the yes. book. Yes, and and once again, uh, you know, as as it has been in these past several chapters following Sam and Frodo, whose uh, perspective do we get more of? It's not necessarily Frodo; it's Sam. We get more from Sam. We get Sam's thoughts, Sam's perspective, um, Sam's kind of in- internal struggles. Uh, as we get nearer and nearer to uh, the end of this quest. Oh, and, but eventually at some point they have to basically, they, to even begin to make any more effort, they have to ditch their stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I might be skipping ahead a little bit too much, but. Yeah. Well, um, it's, I mean, the, there, yeah, there are moments, uh, Basically, I mean, we don't have to uh, go through every single one of them painstakingly, but (laughs) Sam is constantly caring for Frodo, making him eat, making him drink Mm -hmm. and going without himself. So, again, Sam making these intense, intense sacrifices. Um, And and we get a couple mentions as well of Sam noticing when they're resting these lamp-like eyes following them which uh we all should know what that means by now right and again you know sam uh kind of forces frodo to go on gets him to his feet we have to go and frodo's response um he's he says uh i can't manage it uh, he says, I can't manage it, Sam. It is such a weight to carry, such a weight. And so Sam uh, now makes an offer again to Frodo that he has done before and says, well, let me carry it for you for a while. Let me help you. Um, which causes Frodo, Frodo to snap. Yes. And we get um, another glimpse of this uh distorted reality that Frodo has kind of come to be in and this distorted version of himself that he's come to be and uh snaps at him and uses a couple of words that should make us feel uneasy it is mine I say um and uh even goes to draw his sword and then seems to come back to himself and 
turns very sad uh and uh basically reiterates once again that it's it's his own burden um and that frodo admits and seems to understand and says that he is almost in its power uh, yeah in, in the power of the ring and that uh even if he wanted to he couldn't give it up um which is haunting and disturbing and i like i mean to note the, specifically the fact that like he does kind of like go back and forth between like what seems like two personalities within him one is basically consumed by the ring one is basically frodo knowing what he needs to do but i like the word usage of but you must understand it is my burden and no one else can bear it yeah which has been i think that 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 mentality and that 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 phrasing has been like pounded into the reader's mind throughout this entire book Mm-hmm. Um, I would even say a little bit of that was also in the Silmarillion and the Hobbit, but just understanding of like, this is my burden. This is my burden. This is my burden. And I will come back to that later on. <laughs> but shortly after that is when they decide that they need to just basically ditch their gear because yeah. it is just too much. Um, and too, I too much to carry. First part I teared up in this chapter is actually right here. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, you know the part I'm talking about where they're taking off all their yeah. orc gear and all that stuff. But Sam did likewise put aside his orc gear and he took out all the things in his pack. Somehow each of them had become dear to him, if only because he had borne them so far with so much toil. Hardest of all, it was to part with his cooking gear. Tears welled up in his eyes at the thought of casting it away. I know. Oh, yeah. I I think I think we can all relate to our dear Sam in that moment. Oh, and then talks about remember remember when we had rabbit? Yeah, <laughs> remember we yeah. stood up a rabbit. Yeah, I was asking uh, for yeah, potatoes r- once again. <laughs> and once oh, again, yeah, Sam kind section. of trying to remember. Um, these good times and Frodo's answer again is haunting and disturbing and sad. And he says uh, basically that he has no memory of these nicer things that, that mm. he used to enjoy. And God. that, uh, yeah, this, this is horrible. This is no image of moon or star are left to me. I am naked in the dark, Sam, and there is no veil between me and the wheel of fire. I begin to see it even with my waking eyes and all else fades. So again, Frodo is entirely consumed right, right now by what the ring has done to him. Yeah. This is that yeah, that 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 really got to me as well, just because I, I, again, I have something I'm going to save until the very end when we get when we get to the end of the chapter, and I just want to like I, I I'm glad you noted that as well. Yeah. Um uh but luckily uh Sam does hold on to a few things, uh just a, a few essentials. He uh, manages to keep the elf rope, the very last of the lembus that they have, the water bottle, of course, the sword sting, and tucked away, the file of Galadriel. So these are like the essentials. Uh, if you were on a desert island and could only have uh, the, uh, uh, how many, one, two, three, four, five possessions, <laughs> what would you take? These are the ones you would take. 
I'm happy Sting uh, is still sticking around. For some reason, I thought it was left by earlier, and I'm glad Tolkien r- reminded us that he still has it. Oh no, yeah, Sting, Sting is here to stay. Um, and yeah, so so now they are considerably lighter and uh, able to go on. But I really like again. We we just get peppered throughout here. You know, again, it's uh, they're they're in a they're in. I, we use the word again, this apocalyptic situation. But at the same time, we get little notes about the weakness of of Sauron. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. And and in particular, his um, unknowing weakness. And uh, there's a note about um, because again, you know, none of there 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 are no orcs to be seen. Um, but it says of all the slaves of the dark Lord, only the Nazgul could have warned him of the peril that crept small, but indomitable into the very heart of his guarded realm. Um, so yeah, they're exposed and were an orc to see them, uh, you know, they, they would be revealed, but, uh, again, the eye I... is not looking where it should be looking right now. Which I really find interesting the fact that they're not they're not doing a good job hiding but it doesn't matter because he's so damn distracted and frodo even says you know let them take me if you know if they will (laughs) he says i don't Mm -hmm. even care um but i i just like that our little hobbits are a peril small but indomitable because Because again oh go ahead sorry oh i was just gonna say that is such um that's such the perfect phrasing for what I think hobbits are as our heroes. Well, I don't think I've, I've referenced it since, oh man, probably Fellowship of the Ring, but it's that fact of the whole plan is amazing because Sauron is basing everything after thousands and thousands and thousands of years of Dark Lords being overthrown during the Silmarillion, and they were always thrown by over by like force. By force, by force, by force, by force. But in this time, Gandalf is put a lot of faith and a lot of trust into two little people doing something on the outskirts of vision. Like mm-hmm. what that's what's interesting about this is this is the cycle breaking. This is mm-hmm. this is not the same stuff, and Sauron is expecting the same sort of stuff as always, and it's not happening this time. And right. that's what's great. And I think similarly to uh, when when you know when we had discussed again that Sauron uh, had it in his mind that Aragorn was going to take the ring and challenge him, right? Because that's what Sauron would do. Yes, he exactly. Cannot, he cannot imagine uh, this other plan that our heroes have made. He he can't fathom it. Um, so I think that's such an important note to make about the difference between um, our evil and our good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, at, it's at this point that Sam, um, kind of has this internal argument, uh, with himself Yeah, and has, you know, again, moments of doubt. You'll never make it up. Once you get there, how is the ring going to be destroyed? I don't even know what to do. I don't know if Frodo knows what to do, um, and then Sam decides, and this is like the second time that I tear up in in this chapter, uh, that 
he is going to carry Frodo himself. If oh needed. yes. Oh yeah. That that yeah that 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 truly killed me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was in I was taking a break and I was in a back room at work and I was tearing up. So reading this section, I, like yeah. Oh. I can't think. I don't know of anyone who 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 doesn't get a little a little misty eyed at this point. And if you don't, you may need to check because your heart may be made of stone. Um, but <laughs> and I say that in the most loving way possible. Uh, they make it to the foot of the mountain, and of course, Frodo is just collapsing from exhaustion. And he he falls, and he's crawling forward, and he says he can't go on, basically. Mm-hmm. And Sam will not take that for an answer and he says come mr frodo i can't carry it for you but i can carry you and it as well and with that he picks up his master puts him on his back and continues to trudge up the mountain and it's just this is a if if you can't tell already i chose the word hero because of sam or not hero but um dauntless Dauntless and, and strength because of sam um I, I, I don't feel too wrong in making this grandiose statement, <laughs> but come, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you and it as well, might just be the best line from a character in everything we have read. In Yeah. Because yeah. that is an incredible moment. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a big-hearted massive swelling of emotion inside me sort of moment and then he he, he picks him up he fling, he puts him over his shoulder and he starts at first walking up the mountain and then at some point he is basically just crawling like a snail mm-hmm. with Frodo but, on his back and he, but he will, keeps going yeah he does not relent that i mean I, I, I don't I don't even know how how to fully put into words what it is that we should appreciate in Sam yeah. as as this great hero uh, having and again you know Frodo, Frodo is weak he's been under this burden of of the ring um, but Sam has also made sacrifices as we know you know he hasn't eaten he hasn't slept he hasn't um, right drank water as he should have and here he is like like dragging frodo up this mountain uh this this quest is going to be completed if sam gamgee will have his way right (laughs) well and also uh, but i well and also i like how like even sam notes that it is slightly is actually kind of like almost easier than he thought it was going to be yeah uh, that's what's interesting. Like it, the the slope of Mount Doom is not as steep as one would have thought, and also, um, can't remember if it's around here, but they find like basically what is inherently Sauron's great road mm-hmm. to whatever like machinery that works with inside Mount Doom. Yeah. So even then, they find the <laughs> they find basically the path that Sauron's people have like crafted. And it's just there, asking them for the them to use it. It's mm-hmm. it's beautiful how like pretty much everything has just been like open for them to just do their thing. Well, however, this I mean, this path of course is you know Sam wasn't aware of it, but that's it's basically yeah. you know I mean they're completely flirting with um, 
with completely revealing themselves. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but but yeah, again, there it is. This is a path leading straight to where they need to go. But additionally, Sam remarks that Frodo feels lighter than he like than than he imagined, and not yeah, just be- yeah. not just because Frodo is frail and weak, and and you know having gone without food for far too long. He Sam expected to feel the weight of the ring as Frodo does, um, but no. And again, this is uh, this kind of odd effect of the ring on its bearer, because you know, as we know, Frodo feels intensely this weight of the power of the ring, um, but Sam doesn't. And uh, yeah, so sh- th- through sheer force of will, <laughs> he ha- they he has brought them to. Uh, this path, which of course he doesn't know, but it's Sauron's road from Barad-dûr to the Chambers of Fire, the Samoth Nower. And um, after resting for a while, they both kind of feel this urgency that they need to go now. Yeah. And Frodo once again begins to crawl and then seems to find some strength and energy within himself and stands. Uh, and then the clouds break, and what does he see? They see, is this Baradur? Or, uh, wait, yeah, yes, but specifically, yeah. he sees the oh, eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Some characters in this book have finally seen and witnessing the craziness that is the Baradur Eye of Sauron stuff. Mm-hmm. Which we got a, a wonderful description of it right now, but but also again reiterates the fact that it's not looking towards them. But still, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the kind of the the uh, oh, the almost uh, for a few times in this book, Tolkien has is Tolkien's very good at descriptions. He's he's excellent. <laughs> yes. at, one would say at descriptions. But he, what he does is he's built up an expectation of descriptions being so perfectly executed that when they are suddenly kind of, I wouldn't say this description is necessarily vague, but it's vague enough to make it go like, oh, this is something, I don't know. I, I kind of got like a real Eldritch sort of vibe from this moment of like this thing and this whole area and the Lord Sauron's eye and all that stuff is this kind of unimaginable or it's really hard to look upon yeah uh and that we we don't know it and we maybe can't even know it yeah Uh, but it's but it's of course horrible and terrifying um but yeah you know and and again the eye is not even looking at them it's it's drawn to the captains of the west um Mm -hmm. as they are riding on the gate um but nevertheless frodo panics oh yeah because he he's pretty certain that again we got this like two aspects of frodo and that ring wants to be found yes it is it is deeply burrowing its way into frodo to make sure that sauron finds him and finds the ring and so frodo is basically like i'm sam help me because i'm going to put this ring on please grab my hand do something and Mm -hmm. Sam does his duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam, of course, ever ever the 
little calm hero as we've seen him manages to 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 comfort mr frodo and again uh worried that the eye actually had seen them uh sam instantly picks frodo up again just slings him over his shoulders and continues up let's go let's go (laughs) (laughs) yeah but Um, then uh yeah so they he finally reaches the top there you know we're, we're here we've made it and sam kind of looks down and sees this dark shadowy thing mm-hmm. again and out of the blue suddenly gets just n- taken out legs taken out from under him and he falls and hears a familiar voice it's just just smeagol just screaming and cursing Wicked master, wicked master cheats us as always. Mm-hmm. You have my precious. You are doing the wrong thing by destroying it. By yeah, and he, well, and, and it's imperative. You know, he mustn't hurt precious and give it to us. And um, Sam looks up and sees Frodo and Gollum kind of grappling with each other and worries but strangely Frodo seems to find this strength mm-hmm. um, and manages to throw Gollum off of him and then uh, we get if do you remember in the taming of Smeagol yes. there was a moment where Sam looked up at Frodo and saw you know this great master over like a cowering beast right right, right. so now we get this from Sam's view of Frodo and Frodo changes before his eyes because he throws Gollum off of him and um, now Sam sees this again this cowering figure standing in front of um, something uh, uh, standing in front of a figure robed in white but at its breast it held a wheel of fire out of the fire there spoke a commanding voice and Frodo basically tells Gollum, you know, don't touch me ever again or you'll be thrown into the fire yourself. And causes Gollum once again to cower before him and Frodo turns and goes on to yeah. the cracks of doom. Well, and Sam basically stays there to like hold off uh, Gollum and we're ready at this point now where like Sam has Sting out. He is ready yes. to kill Gollum once and for all. He has been threatening it. He has been saying it. But this time he fully has it deep down in him that he would do it. But However, can he do it? But he but can't can he do, it? do it. He Because that's what's interesting is ultimately in the end, like we are – Sam is given ultimate reason why he probably should do this because Gollum is actively in a situation where he is completely messing up everything and could completely undo the entire plan. But Sam can't do it. Right. And it even he just says, can't do it. You know, like logically it would be just and safe to kill Gollum, but Sam knows he can't do it. Um, and I, I like this explanation behind it. Um, so Sam, uh, um, you know, is, is, is considering killing this creature before him, but he can't do it. He says, and the reason why is 
He himself, though only for a little while, had borne the ring, and now yeah. dimly he guessed the agony of Gollum's shriveled mind and body enslaved to that ring, unable to find peace or relief ever in life again. But Sam had no words to express what he felt. So, again, uh. you know, Sam, you know, had had borne the ring for a very short of time. Sam was a ring bearer, and that's important. Um, and even so briefly, he had a glimpse of what that does to a person. And I think that Sam, before that moment, were he given this opportunity, I feel he would have felt that he could kill Gollum. Right. Because it's mercy through empathy. That is what he is feeling. He is feeling this understanding of the absolute pain that Frodo and Gollum are both going through. And that's... There's this like big aspect of this chapter that I'm going to relay at the end. But right now, but it's just like all these little pieces coming together about mm-hmm. what... Something I think I, that could be pulled from... Uh, the, I, you know, I should go ahead and just feel it right, say it right now, but it is like I can't but get past this idea of this chapter bringing the notion of, and I can't remember if I've referenced this before, but it, it definitely came to me while I was reading this of just emotional distress or anxiety or just emotional issues that people have that the ring kind of is representing in this because if we look at like these burdens that people every day hold on to and people around them don't understand and don't quite can't quite put a finger on it because they have not experienced it but still want to help it's just that's what i see it through sam and i feel like i can't have that reading unless i'd like kind of gone through some understanding about my own stuff in that regard so it's it's i I could not get past that it made this chapter way richer and much more emotional for me Mm mm-hmm yeah. Uh, so, of course, you know, Sam pities Gollum, lets him go. Gollum runs away. And Sam now turns after Frodo, follows after him, uh, and reaches the Chamber of Fire. Yeah. And... It's like this big, dark... It's, it's basically a big, dark... I, I feel like it was like a big dark hallway almost into the mountain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that the best description i kind of got from it and it's so dark he tries to actually pull out the file of galadriel yeah just instinctively instinctively just to like pull it out and to see and it doesn't really work right or it's at least dim and right. it's interesting because that was told we were told that that was a, a light whenever all of the lights go out and we are now at such a seat of evil and darkness that's pinned to this world that it doesn't work that well. Yeah, we are at the epicenter of evil, basically. And, um, yeah, the uh, so it tries to use the file of Galadriel, and even it doesn't give off any light here because Sam, uh, our friend Sam, was come to the heart of the realm of Sauron and the forges of his ancient might, greatest in Middle-earth. All other powers were here subdued. So, yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty... Uh, that's something. <laughs> and, yeah, there's, there's, of course, like, crashing light and, like, fire jumping up uh and 
it's uh, tumultuous and horrifying. Well, and, and Sam, the, they, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it was Sam sees kind of silhouetted against these like jumping flames. Uh, he sees Frodo standing there. And he's kind of not it, just immobile, framed against against the, this uh, image. And Sam calls out to him, and Frodo replies in, like again, a very strong and clear voice. And again, the most disturbing words that uh, we hear come out of Frodo's mouth, and he basically says you know he he's come to this place he's come to uh, the destination of this quest uh he says i have come but i do not choose now to do what i came to do i will not do this deed and then hauntingly terrifyingly the ring is mine Mm -hmm. and he puts it on his finger and disappears right so so frodo in this moment fails Frodo is our ring bearer, our hero, who has, again, taken on this burden willingly. And uh, this is not to, you know, this is not to take anything away from what Frodo, what, from Frodo's journey. Yeah. It's just, uh, this is a, this is like the perfect portrait of, the, the power of the ring, what it does. We've seen yeah. as he's come closer and closer to Mordor and now further and further deep into Mordor, what it does to him. And this is like the ultimate climax of that. Well, and to a degree, I feel like it's also doing the same to Gollum, who strikes mm-hmm. Sam on the back of the head and right. is gunning after Frodo. And at this point, when Frodo puts on the ring, the Dark Lord on the other side of Mordor is like, what, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> All you and, dude Nazgul guys, you go to that mountain now. <laughs> right, because now the eye is looking where it should have been looking all along, yeah. but where <laughs> thankfully it had been drawn out by uh, our dear friends uh, outside the gate. <laughs> I and shouldn't laugh, but, so, but that for some reason, the, like the image of like the eye just going, what? Just like right, <laughs> like the opposite end going like, oh no. <laughs> really really kind of cracked me up (laughs) i did not see that one coming nah oh no (laughs) literally uh yeah and so of course um the eye uh this there's so so great this uh again like just apocalyptic sounding words happening right now um uh, so Sauron now has is, has become aware of Frodo, knows that Frodo has the ring, knows exactly where he is, and says, it says, Then his wrath blazed in consuming flame, but his fear rose like a vast yeah. black smoke to choke him, for he oh, knew God. his deadly peril and the thread upon which his doom now hung. So again, Sauron is fully aware of his own mistake. Yep. He's aware yep. of, of what he did not notice before his own foolishness and yeah sends the ring wraiths straight towards mount doom as fast as they can go but sam sam is able to like kind of like regain consciousness and he sees Gollum wrangling 
wildly with nothing. Yeah. And then he starts to realize that what's happening is uh, he's he's on top of an invisible Frodo, basically like fighting with him and manages to pull something into his mouth and then chops down. Uh, and then suddenly Frodo reappears screaming. So, right, some messed up stuff. Um, so here is here is now the reason why Frodo is often known as Nine Fingered Frodo. Mm-hmm. And it's because uh, when uh, Gollum pulls away, he now has the ring. He now has his precious, but with it, of course, uh, a finger still attached. And it's interesting um, that he ha- he kind of like Gollum finally has this thing that he yes. has been pining after and losing so much of his life to for what like hundred and something years or no sixty something years because he because he lost to like sixty years or wait no when was the Hobbit again yeah it was six sixty years before. yeah six sixty years yeah. So something he has been trying to like gunning back to get for 60 years and he finally has this moment. But he so, in, so trying and starting so hard to get the damn thing. He is not very aware of his footing. <laughs> well, and uh I like if we want to talk about metaphor again, like so Gollum now has this thing that has consumed him. Uh, since he came into contact with it and uh, what does it bring about brings about his undoing yeah Um, on its own interestingly enough mm -hmm. so yeah Gollum of course uh, his last words being precious 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 of course you know dancing around joyously being reunited once again with with his precious uh, yeah mistakes his footing and goes toppling over the edge straight into the cracks of doom. And there we go. The ring is destroyed. Right. In that so, moment. Yeah. There's there's this uh, confusion of noise, which I think is a great phrase. That is a gr- yeah, that was a great phrase for that right there. Uh yeah, the the entire mountain is shaking, and Sam, uh, ha- uh, has the foresight to grab Frodo and run out and uh run out uh into the daylight, and he he runs it out into basically chaos. Uh, <laughs> we we talk about apocalyptic all throughout this chapter. This is truly apocalyptic. Like things are falling and towers exploding, and crumbling all around screaming. them. Dogs and cats living together. Like, it's just mass hysteria. Mountain exploding. The sky, yeah, there's like black rain uh, crashing down. And the Nazgul are just like withering. Everything's in this blaze of ruin. It's like the concept of so much stuff have been like anchored into the power of Sauron and suddenly that's not there anymore. And it's like it's like basically taking the mortar or the foundational work out of a building. It's just everything just comes crumbling down. Right. So there's this fiery chaos going on and 
immediately here we get this contrast that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. This great, great contrast. Because um, so they're watching this all come fall down around them. And then there's this very calm and peaceful voice that comes from b- beside our dear friend Sam. And it's Frodo who has come back to himself again and who just sounds very peaceful. He has peace in his eyes and his voice is calm and content. And he says, well, this is the end, Sam Gamgee. And um, Sam is you know, overjoyed in this moment. And then he says, he remarks that Gollum is gone forever. And Frodo's response is, again, this uh, great, great irony that we had just a few moments ago. And Frodo very wisely reminds him that Gandalf had said, well, you know, Gollum may still have a part to play in all this. And sure enough, he did. He said, "Um, Sam, I could not have destroyed the ring. The quest would have been in vain even at the bitter end. So let us forgive him. For the quest is achieved and now all is over. And I am glad you are here with me here at the end of all things, Sam. So again, inadvertently, Gollum destroys the ring. Yep. How perfect is that? How perfect yep. is it? After all those times of being like, hey, I should kill him or maybe we shouldn't. All that debate, all Maybe. throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Hell, even in The Hobbit. Because <laughs> this is a tendril that goes back to The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this whole idea of pity, too. Because what it, what was it that stayed Bilbo's hand from killing Gollum? It was pity. Pity. What was it that keeps Frodo from killing Gollum? Pity. And, of course, all of this instilled by Gandalf, our dear friend Gandalf. Yeah. And what is it that, that stops Sam from killing Gollum earlier in this chapter? Pity. Pity. And, again, because there's something in them, at the core of them, again, I think, I feel deeply in my soul, I do, that it's because they're hobbits. Mm-hmm. But but also because they both have had this experience and they, again, Sam, you know, we articulated it through Sam's thoughts. He 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 felt what Gollum felt. And I just. Yeah. It's too perfect. Uh, understanding. Too perfect. Understanding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Because it's all wrapping back into this theme of. I mean, I don't even think I, yeah, there's this like whole theme about like little people doing great things, but also I can't just but think about like how so much this book is just purely about empathy and understanding mm-hmm. and connection mm-hmm. and unity and globalization. And it just keeps coming back to that in these moments of like pe- uh, people working together, courage. It's, it's, the book's not over yet, and I, no. we're, we're having. If I can't help but feel like the book's over at this moment, um, because that's pretty final. I'm glad you were here with me here at the end of all things, which is probably runner up for second best line of the entire book. Yeah, uh, Lord of the Rings as a whole, because that's a fantastic line as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, like again, like I, I, I've talked about this a long time ago, and I kind of wanted to uh, make it 
a, a long play, which I feel I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> at, at the at the at the I think when we first started talking about uh, Lord of the Rings, I said I want to think about fate and free will. Yes. And how that comes into play, and you know we've we from at the very beginning, you know that Frodo has that moment. Why me? Uh, why do why do I have to have the ring? Why did this have to come to pass? Um, and again, you know Gandalf. You know, all we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us, and 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 this whole like you know, you Bilbo was meant to find the ring, so he was meant to have it, and so yeah. you were also meant to have it. But you have a choice, and so our friend Frodo, of course, makes the choice uh, at the Council of Elrond, says he will take the ring to Mordor. Well, and also by extension, Gollum, as well. Because we can't forget mm -hmm. him and all the other people that the ring had come to along the way as well. Mm -hmm. But so both of them were kind of fated to have this story with the ring. Uh, and yeah, Fro it was in Frodo's. It fell to Frodo. It came to Frodo, but he also chose this task. This, yeah, it's, it's like, ultimately. I don't know. The, the, the two were tied. But it's important to note that our heroes have that choice and make that choice. It's such a good, it's such a good book. It's such I a know. good book. Ah. <laughs> uh, ah. Uh, I, I, mm. I can't. I don't know if I had made the reading into the, the, the ring representing... Um, anxiety or depression or something like that before, but I can't help but feel like it's that's my own personal reading. I'm not saying that's what Tolkien meant for it, but I just can't but like feel like it's just a representation for like burdens in people's lives when you do it. Then I can't. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna develop that. And I'm gonna probably talk about that when we wrap up this book a little bit more mm -hmm. detail. I almost feel like I could write an essay on that. Um, but yeah, that's the end of that chapter. That was a short chapter, but wow, was it like <laughs> it's well, yeah, oh, so much emotional chapter. stuff in that one. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's the climax of, of course, the main arc of this entire book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, you know, again, what was the quest? Take the ring to Mordor and destroy it. And uh, now it's done. Yep. And I, yeah, I just, again, like we, we talked about the beginning, the beginning and throughout this chapter feeling just so apocalyptic and the, the, the complete calm and peace and then followed by like utter joy at the end of it, um, is so comforting. This chapter probably had the best pacing out of any chapter we've read just for that alone because it was so diverse and how it was breaking things up in that sense. Uh, previous mm -hmm. chapters had done that as well, like the chapter where Denethor, or not Denethor, um, Theoden dies, but the Witch King is killed was another one that was like that, where yeah, it just everything just kind of like it was differentiated, but it also added to the pace and it was great and also a lot of things were coming to fruition or coming to a coming to a head basically and that's what we got in this yeah. chapter as well but on a much grander scale because it was like again the whole arc of the book <laughs> right there yeah 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 
All right. Well, um, with that, what uh, what was your favorite part from this chapter? I have a strong feeling that we both have the same favorite part. Because <laughs> my favorite part was the part where Sam picks up Frodo and says the most important line of the book. I, if, I, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you and it. Yeah. Solid. Um, yeah, that's absolutely my favorite my favorite part because it's the best part (laughs) yeah that that part is the best part it's oh it's so mm. it's Mm. everything it's everything it's everything about the kind of hero that sam is yeah (laughs) it's too perfect anyway well, next, well, right now, what well, we were going to talk about some favorite things in our past week. Yes, uh, favorites, other, uh, other, other favorites from the week. What about uh, you? Mine was mine. This week was uh, very silly and dumb. Um, but those are often mm-hmm. some of my favorite things. Some of my favorite things are often very silly and dumb. Um, and this week, it was a, a video that several different people sent me on several different platforms. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, because that's often how things find me, and I love it when that happens. But it's so this is not my favorite X Files dog video. <laughs> uh, and, and that's funny that I. It's a subgenre. X Files dogs video. But it, the, it's this video of, of, it, of the X Files dog it's not the pug one because that's my favorite one yeah the pug Um, one's objectively the best one yeah but this one's pretty great too and you just have to i i I suppose maybe we'll link it or something on the post what what is it it's like i I guess the search you can put onto youtube and i will include both of these i'll include the pug one because the pug one is the master yeah it is 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 s plus plus rank like it is superior (laughs) to all uh, but the the I think it's called Bork Files Bork, or something like that yeah. or X Files Bork. Bork I don't know yeah Bork Files I don't know but yeah you can probably find it by uh by searching for Bork Files and mm-hmm. I highly recommend that you do everyone should watch it because it's pretty great it is excellent I sent it to you I have been sharing those with another friend of mine so yeah that that got shared around quite yeah. a few times um i hope i want to see more of those the bork busters is also great by the way oh yes yes uh, i feel like there was another one that i can't remember right now i think there was like a back to the future one but anyway i hope that person keeps making those like bork to the future yeah uh, b- but it, you know it's it's Huey lewis in the news doing the camp oh you know, yeah, yeah. With the power of love yeah i don't yeah i think yeah. I'm, I'm probably making that up i probably had a dream that was like a dog singing that or something i don't know <laughs> Who knows? My dream's been weird lately. Uh, so, my favorite thing is the end result of eight months of planning and one year of soul searching. I had my first day of class in culinary school last night. Um, Yay! Which was 
probably 90% paperwork, uh, but <laughs> and kind of boring. But even the teacher was like, you know what? The first day of class is going to be kind of slow and we're going to do a lot of paperwork. But next week's going to be great. We're going to do a lot of cooking then. But I also, but probably my absolute favorite thing from that, I got my set of knives that I paid for part of my tuition. And mm-hmm. I cannot pronounce this company. Vostov. Vostov. That's the name companies. I got like a chef's knife, a paring knife, a few other knives. Um, but uh, part of last night, he wanted to kind of see how everybody's kind of like cutting style was, where everyone was at, to basically see where everyone was at to start off with. I took out my chef's knife, perfectly balanced, held it in my hand. Yeah. And I was asked to uh, mince a shallot and to trim some green beans. And the cut was so perfect I had a existential breakdown in my head of realizing, oh God, I have never every knife I've ever cut with in my entire life was a piece of garbage. Yes, because this thing cuts so smoothly and so beautifully, I thought I messed up. But right. no, and I proceeded to keep cutting, and it was so perfect. And the teacher said that you, bu- these knives are probably going to be knives you're going to have for the rest of your life. So take yeah. care of them, and. I suddenly it hit me that I am going to be working on becoming a damn chef. And it <laughs> kind of sunk in in that moment. And then we proceeded to spend an hour cleaning up the kitchen. So I totally understand that feeling, though, of of, of that. Because I, I have um, I have one Vostov knife, and it's the chef's knife. And, yeah, yes, it, yeah. Um, it's, it's like cutting through a cloud. Yeah, and that's yeah. Yeah, that was the, the first feeling. time you use it, yeah, it, I I totally understand that existential like r- revelation. Because I, I mean, I almost would <laughs> say it's almost like pr- more primordial than that. It almost felt um, p- part of me in saying this. It felt borderline erotic <laughs> handling that knife and making sure, like, it was like one of those things you look at and you go, "This is a fine crafted tool that must yes. be used for specifics that must be used and respected for the love of god that's the way i felt yes uh, all other n- knives that i was using before were not knives they were like i was like bludgeoning things with my fist i was a child those were toys i am now an adult <laughs> <laughs> i am on the path and also i made I've, i made some friends because it's a class of 14 of us so you and since you're all Good, working small. together on stuff and I have a one partner next to me, um, you all become buddies. I am the one person except the teacher who is from out of state, which is weird. Um, the teacher's from mm-hmm. Tennessee and I am from Arkansas, so we had a brief bonding moment over Southern food. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm in culinary school. I'm locked Yay. in for the next 13 months. So it's awesome so far. <laughs> But that's it. That was my favorite thing of the week. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, before we sign off, I would like to once again give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, if you're not already or if you didn't know, we do have a Patreon account. You can search for us and... Uh, help us out with as little as $1 a month. Uh, We appreciate all of you so very much for helping support us. Uh, Thank you once again to Ryan Hepler, Brian Osborne, Kevin Reynolds, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Mike Williams, Anna Dunlany, Ji Ying Hua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Adam Kahn, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McNa- McMaster, 
Jacob Verma and Michael Laney. I almost got through it perfectly. Almost. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Don't forget Morgoth. No. No, that's not like it happened. That's not going to happen. You know, it'd be funny <laughs> if it's not even like a dark lord within Lord of the Rings. Like someone like gives us money and they go by Darth Vader. That'd be hilarious. Uh, why? Okay. <laughs> so anyway, thank you once again to our Patreon supporters. We appreciate each and every one of you so, so much. And, and also go on iTunes and review us. We love that. Those make our day. We have been getting a few steady reviews through Facebook and iTunes that have been mm-hmm. making our day, especially mine over the whole thing of us still transitioning here in New York after a month. And it warms my heart to read that stuff while I am tired as hell. So, <laughs> yeah, we love, we love reading all of your notes and connecting with you on uh, various platforms. So thank you once again. Also, whoever um, who sent in the the thing with Gollum, uh, the picture of Gollum side by side with like Gollum and makeup. <laughs> yeah, no to that on my front. That was a little much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, but anyway, we will be back at you next week with chapter four of book two of Return of the King, the Field of the Cormalin. Uh, so please join us next week. I'm oh, Katie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ending the show. I'm Chase, and you are Katie. <laughs> yeah. My bad. I kind of like zoned out there for a second. Anyway, yes, we will see you all next week on Talking Tolkien. Talking Tolkien. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge. And we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far.